Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nation's Church, and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing, and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray. Be blessed by the word of the Lord. I want to preach this morning on the God of restoration. The God of restoration. In fact, when I was praying this morning, I heard these words come to my spirit as I was praying for this. The Lord said, tell somebody I'm going to restore the years. I'm going to restore the years. And some of y'all think that sounds crazy that God could take one morning and do something in one morning that would restore years of loss. But it doesn't take, I've been trying to tell y'all this for a long time. It doesn't take God as long to restore it as it did for the devil to take it. Come on, reach over and bless somebody near you and tell them he's the God of restoration. Do it, Lord. Verse 1, 2 Kings 8. Then Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine. And furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines, say the Philistines, the Philistines for seven years. It came to pass at the end of the seven years that the woman returned. Somebody say return. She returned from the land of the Philistines and she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me all the great things that Elisha, Elisha has done. And it happened. And it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was the woman whose son he had restored to life appealing to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. And the king, oh yes, the king appointed a certain officer for her saying, restore all that was hers. All the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. Restore all, the, I said restore all. I'm gonna need some help in these monitors right here. I said restore all that was hers. I'm telling you, when God tells the enemy to put it back, the enemy doesn't get to decide how much he gets to put back. He has to go find all of it and he has to put it back. Touch a neighbor and encourage them one more time before we preach together. Tell somebody right there beside you, he is the God of restoration. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. Father, open their ears and their hearts. I thank you for blessing Athens. I thank you for blessing Chattanooga. I thank you for what you're going to do here and there and all over this world right now. May the word of the Lord, Lord go forth in power. May yokes be broken. May demons that are nervous be, be put to flight by the power of the presence of God. And we thank you that the word of God will have uh, entrance into hearts today. Minds and lives will be changed by the word of God in Jesus' name and everybody said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. 
This text this morning in the second book of Kings is uh, what I would call a, a suite of texts about this man, Elisha, who had picked up the mantle of his predecessor, Elijah. And the God of Elijah began to work through the life of Elisha, who was Elijah's protege. And if you study the life of Elijah, you will see that he worked, depending on what you call a miracle, he worked about 16 miracles in the book of 1 Kings, all the way through the first chapter of the book of 2 Kings. But if you study his protege, Elisha, who picked up the mantle, you will see that Elisha did almost 32 miracles, depending on what you call a miracle, nearly double the amount of miracles that his spiritual father, Elijah, had done. And this is interesting because you know the story. Before Elijah leaves this planet, Elisha says, I want a double portion of everything resting on your life. And, and I, I just wanted to, to tell some people in this room today, no matter how good God has been to you, and how much you have seen God do in your life and in your generation. I want younger generations to prepare for double. I want, the, I want the next generation to know that as good as God has been to all of us, the goodness of God is on the increase in our future. That what God started in one generation, how many know it exceeds what God did in that generation? And in the next generation, God will blow your mind. Exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. How many are thankful he's the God of increase? He's the God of more and he's the God of abundance. And he's, if he did 16 in Elijah, if Elisha is next, 32 is double. And he's just the God of increase, amen? And we see this whole thing uh, unpacked in the life of Elisha. Uh, in the book of 2 Kings, there, there are, there are, there, there's this amazing record of all that God has done, but there is this, there is this weaving uh, commonality throughout the second book of Kings. And it is this, there is this presence of this woman that we do not know her name. All we know, the Bible calls her the Shunammite. And she is in several different places. And, and, and her life intersects the, the ministry of Elisha at very critical times. And what is going on in the land of Israel is also pertinent in her life because she is living in this place. She is living in this land and yet no matter what is going on around her, she seems not to be exempt from it all, but somehow she is still blessed in spite of her surroundings. Aren't you thankful today that the Father knows how to take care of you even when the people around you can be crazy and it looked like hell is breaking loose in our generation? God is able to watch over those who are his. God is able to protect those that belong to him. God is able to say, yes, you are in this world, but because you belong to me, you are not of this world. And I think we need to be more thankful that God knows how to take care of the righteous. God knows how to bless them. We hear a whole lot of talk about recession on the way and problems in the future. I want to tell you right now that although we are in this world, we are not of this world. God knows how to take care of his people. Can I have an amen in the room today? Now, if you study the life of Elisha, you will see that this story I read to you in the eighth chapter is not the first time that he, uh, that this, this woman, this Shunammite woman is mentioned. In fact, the text I read to you 
reminds us, a very important reminder I might add, it reminds us that this woman that we are reading about has already been introduced in a previous chapter in the text. And if you want to know uh, where she was and what story uh, that, that I'm talking about, you will flip back to the fourth chapter of the second book of Kings. And I wanna talk about this dear sister today because I believe her life is a microcosm of most all of us in this room. I believe all of us can relate to this sister in, in some particular way. And what I want you to see is that, is that in different seasons of her life, it seems like things come to attack what God has blessed her with. You can be blessed and still have enemies. You can be blessed and still have bad days. You can be blessed with amazing chapters of victory and God's goodness and still have some of those chapters sandwiched in the life of blessing and some of those things happen that you and I don't understand. If we are not careful, the enemy will seek to frame God as some sort of unjust, unloving, ungood father. And I come to set the record straight today that he is good when life is good and he is good when hell is breaking loose. He is good when prayers are answered and he is good when nothing good seems to be happening around us. You've got to establish some things about God in your heart so that the enemy cannot shake you regarding the resume of our father. He is not up and down. He is not having emotional highs lows. He is steady and faithful. He has always been good. He will always be good. And I have come to a place in my life where I refuse to entertain the notion that God is not good to me. You need to get to the place where you are predictable in your testimony. My testimony is God is good. Anybody else testify that God is good? Today I want you to see that this woman's life is full of blessing, but it's also full of challenges. And at every point, here's what we're gonna to see today, at every point when the enemy seems to take or have access to the blessing of God in her life, she doesn't forsake God. She holds on until restoration shows up. I want you to know today restoration is coming. He is the God of restoration. And you can't quit now because Paul told the church of Galatia in the sixth chapter, if you don't faint, you're going to reap a harvest. The key to reaping a harvest is not fainting. If you just stay alive and keep the faith, that seed is going to produce harvest. That harvest is going to be reaped and you are not going to see your story end in, in a mess. It's going to end in a miracle. God's going to bless your life. Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 4. Now in 2 Kings chapter 8, it says that this was the woman. Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had raised from the dead. I need you to get this because this is foundational for this message this morning. If you want to know where that story is located, it is in 2 Kings chapter 10. Chapter 4, about the 10th verse. And the Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 4 that this dear lady, this Shunammite woman, here's what I want you to see today. The prophet went through Shunam 
And when the prophet Elisha went through Shunem, the woman in Shunem, this prominent lady, this great lady, the Bible calls her, no name, it just describes her as a great woman. This great woman sees the prophet coming through her city and the Bible says that she welcomed, her in, welcomed him into her home. Now, what you must understand, if you study the life of Elisha, you will see that this trip to Shunem is an unusual uh, direction for him to travel. In fact, if you look at his life, you will find that he goes through Samaria and Mount Carmel most often. But in this text, it says that she that he went through Shunem. And what I what I felt like God was trying to help me to see as I saw the the shift in his direction is that God redirected and shifted the direction of the prophet so that he could encounter this Shunemite woman and so that this Shunammite woman could encounter him. This is an alignment of streams coming together for kingdom purposes. God took a prophet who was used to going one way and caused him to go another way so that his walk and journey could intercept the life of a woman who had something he needed and he had something she needed. I need some help right here. God is in the business of in this moment. I believe this with all my heart. He is aligning prophetic things. He is aligning prophetic people. He is aligning kingdom-minded people. He's getting ministry. He's getting people all in alignment because we all have something each other need. If you're out of alignment, you could have the answer somebody's looking for, but never release that answer if you're not in the right area. If you're, if you're in a place of need, you could be just outside. Carmel was just down the road from Shunem, but she didn't live in Carmel. She lived in Shunem. He had to get to Shunem so that he could be what she needed, and he had to get to Shunem because the woman had something he needed. Look at somebody tell them God is aligning things. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. In this season, I would pray about every decision I make. In this season, come on family, I would pray and seek God about every decision I make. You don't have time to waste by getting in the wrong place and losing your position in the kingdom of God. Didn't the Bible say the steps of a good man have been ordered by the Lord? How many are thankful that in this season God loves you enough to get you out of the wrong place and get you into the right place so that you are aligned and positioned for all that God has for you in your life? When you get into right alignment and when you are in the right position, God will use you to be a blessing to his work and he will also use his servants to be a blessing to you. He will use all of this coming together to get more glory for his name. And we see this principle of alignment playing out in this story. This man of God, this representative of the kingdom of God passes through Shunem and this prominent woman and her husband decide they won't, don't miss it, to welcome Elisha into their home. Number one, say open heart. Open heart. The woman of, this woman of Shunem had an open heart. She and her husband had an open heart. She let the prophet into her home. I want to tell you today she wasn't skeptical. 
She wasn't cynical. She wasn't judgmental. She had seen his life and heard the stories and knew the testimonies of what God was doing through the life of this man of God. And she wanted this thing that was happening in the nation. She wanted this presence of the, come on. She opened her home and opened her heart to this man of God so that the kingdom of God could get in her house. The Bible said that this prominent husband, a prominent woman and her husband let Elisha into their home. They had an open heart. And not only did she let him into their home, but the Bible says that the Shunammite and her husband made him a meal. They shared their provision with the man of God. They opened up their hands. They said, let us fix you and prepare something for you. When you have an open heart, and you have open hands, God can open your eyes. There are a lot of people who have closed eyes and have no ability to perceive because they have closed their hands and their heart off to the things of God. And when you have a closed heart, I, I, I was in school this past week with our students at, at Redemption School of Ministry and I was talking about how when we go through seasons of pain, we build up walls on the inside. The problem is because pain touches all of us in a certain way and when it gets into your heart, if you're not careful, listen to me carefully, if you're not careful, you will misunderstand this and this is a powerful thing for you to know that when you go through pain, the same door that pain walks through is the same door Jesus will walk through into your heart. And if you're not careful because you don't want to feel pain anymore, you will close the door to pain and at the same time, you are closing the door off to everyone that can help you. You got to make sure that you keep your heart open to the God. God will send people into your life. He will send ministry into your life. And if you're not careful, the pain of the journey, the skepticism that arises, the, the cynicism, the judgment, we've seen so many fakes and fraudulence and phonies in the kingdom. Some people have no space in their heart to let God in. This woman let, her, let the prophet into the house and not only did she have an open heart, she had open hands. And because she had open and open heart and open hands and she shared a meal with him, watch this. The Bible says, I'm all in chapter four over here. The Bible says that one day he came by and she was going to feed him again. And here's a powerful word. The Bible said she perceived he was a holy man of God. She, for some reason, hadn't seen that before. But all of a sudden now she sees, this is not just another man. I have opened my home to him. I've opened my hands to him. I've shared with him the blessing that God has shared with me. And now the Bible said she began to perceive. It literally means in the Hebrew, she began to have the ability to see. Vision had been increased. She saw something in connecting with this person that this was not just another person. This ministry had keys that would unlock things in her future. Don't miss what I'm telling you today. You got to make sure that even your church life is not just another social thing you check off your list. There's something spiritual about connecting. There's something spiritual about what you let into your heart and what you share with you when you have open hands. How many know that God is trying to give us open eyes in this season to see where we and our families need to be connected? I believe with all my heart that there's something going on in the realm of alignment in the kingdom of God right now. God is aligning things. 
I, I, I have never been so, I have never been so, at first it, it, it didn't shake me, uh, but, uh, but at first I was watching all this happen and I thought, how are all these places closing and how are all these people, I, every pastor friend I have that I talk to, everybody is talking about they have a new congregation. Since COVID, they talk about all the new people that come to their church and some old people left. And I don't mean old in age. I mean people who were sticking around that didn't have the right spirit. Oh, y'all don't want me to talk about this today. Uh -huh. why, why are some people leaving? Why are some people coming? And why is there a turnover even in the house of God? I'll tell you why. God is getting rid of, God is getting rid of stuff that held people back. God is getting rid of attachments that were not part of the future. God is settling people into a place. Uh -huh. that, that's why there's a lot of new faces in this room today and even more on the way because God is aligning things in this hour and he's putting people in a place where they're getting ready to step into a place they've never stepped into before and where we're going as a church where we've never been before. He's aligning things. I want to say this. She opened her heart and opened her hands and God opened her eyes and let her see that there is a spiritual thing I need to connect with about this, this ministry of Elisha. It wasn't just the man. The man represents what God was doing in that day. He was the representative of the kingdom of God. My point is this. You and I need to make sure in this season of our life, we got to make sure that God is aligning steps, getting you and I into place. I'm telling you, that's why people, it's crazy. Go out and look and, and just talk to people in the lobby. Every single Sunday, I sit there and I shake hands and I meet new people, people who come from here, people who come from there and families that drive two hours every Sunday morning to come to church. And I say, why do you drive that far? Because God is doing something and we have to be connected to what God is doing. And then you got people that live three minutes down the road who roll over and get their footy pajamas on and they drink their cocoa and they sit in their couch and you're watching me right now and I came for you. Because you're not sick and you don't have a fever. You have just found the Jesus that made you feel comfortable. And God is saying, this is not about you getting your little Christian bite on Sunday morning. You need a whole meal. And we need what God put in you. And you need what God put in here. And I'm telling you, God is bringing things together and aligning things for a kingdom purpose. And it is not time to be out of step. It is not time to be more focused on your comfort than you are where God is trying to take you and your family. Uh, Touch somebody, tell them, get in line, get in line, get in line. God is getting them in line here. And she has to open her heart and her hands so that God can open her eyes. And when he opens her eyes, she perceives. It is something that, it's like revelation. Something comes alive. I must, I must watch this. I must do more than just a little visit every now and then. This is crazy. She literally makes room for the prophet in her house. This is where we get the idea of a prophet's quarters. How many ever heard of a prophet's quarters? I remember I first, Dev and I first got married. I think it was the second revival we preached. We went and preached at a church. And I said, where are we staying? They said, in the prophet's quarters. I said, oh, but that sounds good, Dev. That sounds amazing. The ceilings were six foot tall. The shower was four foot tall. It creaked. It had bugs. It, 
She looked at me and she said, is this what you do? We had just got married. Is this what it's always like? Oh no, it's not always like this. Next week, we'll stay at a risk Carlton. Tonight, we're in the prophet's quarters, hallelujah. <laughs> there was no rich Carlton. <laughs> this is where we get the idea of a prophet's quarters. Watch this. She believed in who he was, in what he was doing, and what God was doing through him to the point that she built a place in her house. She made space for God. This is covenantal language. This is covenantal language. When you say, I'm going to build God and, and his representative, his kingdom, what he's doing, I'm going to make a place. And when I'm preaching this today, I think all of us have the wherewithal to know, I'm not talking about me, but you, you don't have to build me no room on your house. I got my own room. How, how many know that's not what I'm talking about today? What I'm talking about is you make God and what he's doing a priority. It's called, listen, when you come into a place of perception, your eyes become open to what God is doing. Then you come into something deeper. It's called partnership. Partnership is where I recognize I cannot live like I'm supposed to live without coming into a deeper level of fellowship with you. There are some people in this room right now, I want you to get this. You think in your mind that you are God or okay, but you and everybody else on planet Earth are living in dysfunction. And as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. You're crazy. You need King Jesus and you need people who have keys to doors in your future and you can't keep running around your whole life creating havoc and chaos in relationship and wondering why you can't live in blessing. The people that God sent to bless you have been people you've run off with nasty attitudes and you have not honored. I ain't getting no help in here. And you have not, you have not partnered with the people God has sent into your life. This woman had a spirit of honor, she partnered with the prophet of God. I wanna say this to you. We live in a day where it has become apropos and fashionable to, to assume and act like me and God are good, but I can just have any old kind of crazy, nasty relationships with people and still be good with God. Do you understand that the cross had two beams? One was vertical. The other was horizontal because God cared enough about you to break the curse, not only the curse that separated you from God, but Jesus came to break the curse that separates you from walking in unity and harmony with people. And some of us, well, me and Jesus got our own thing going. You and Sister Yeye better get your stuff right. You and your, come on, I'm going to the nations and you can't talk to your neighbor? There's something wrong with that. We need to make sure and evaluate in our relationships that we are walking in a place where the Spirit of God can present opportunities to us and we are not afraid to go deeper in relationship, in partnership. God wants to do that in your life. Touch your neighbor right now and tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, there is power in perceiving and there is power in partnerships. Stop trying to do this on your own. You were, it was not good for Adam 
to be alone. Some of you brothers are like, for real? It was not good for Adam to be alone. Why? Because God refuses to put self-sufficiency in you and in me. He will always attach our future and destiny to and through relationships. I'm getting ready to walk around here. Well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell people the peace of my mind. You ain't got no friends. You don't have no friends like that. Ain't nobody wants to hang out with know-it-alls. Ain't nobody wants to hang out with has-it-alls. God will put your future, he'll tie it up in relationship. Every single, and it just happened about a week and a half ago, every single time, uh, every single year this time of year, I get a text from a dear brother, I won't call his name, he sends me a picture on, on his son's birthday. And he sends me a picture on his son's birthday because his wife had had a miscarriage and the doctors told her, you won't have another child. And one Sunday morning back in Ottawa, I was preaching on a Sunday morning and I called that situation out and I said, the doctor told you you won't have a son, but God's about to fill your womb. And that young lady come to the altar. We prayed for her. And now that young man is 11 years old. Every year. Now, wait a minute. I'm showing you something. Every single year, he sends me a picture on that baby's birthday, and he said, here's the miracle. What's the point? The point is, if he hadn't been in right relationship with his local church, very possibly that miracle could have never happened. I'm not saying that I did the miracle. I'm saying that God worked through my life so that the miracle could happen in the boy's life. There's some people in this room right now, you need to settle down a little bit. Just, just a little bit. Because you, you've been to 43 churches. They're not all that screwed up. At some point, God wants to get the kink, the wrinkle, the blemish out of the bride so that we don't run around blaming the preachers all by that. Well, they said something and offended me. If, the, if everywhere you go, somebody says something to offend you, then probably you need to get delivered from a spirit of offense and you need to come into alignment so that God can connect you with people who will be a blessing and a part of your future. And this, this woman perceives he is more than just a man. He is the man of God. There's something happening through his life. So she partners with him and she builds a place and invites him into her home. And she builds him a place. And I don't have time to preach on the significance of everything in the room. But the Bible said there was a stool, a bed, and there was a lamp. All this is spiritual. It's a place for him to rest. It's a place for him to be illuminated and have revelation. It's a place for him to sit and receive the word of the Lord. All this in this room. And whenever he dropped by, she had a place in her home for what God was doing. Hear me, family. This woman was barren. And she still built God a place. I know she was barren because I'm getting ready to show it to you from the scripture. She could not have a child. It would be so easy for this dear lady to say, you know what? I ain't building him no place. Ain't nothing good ever happened to me. Oh, I'm saying something right here. 
you better be aggressive about any thought that crosses your mind that causes you to get bitter at God and bitter at his people and his kingdom. Just because you're not walking in the sunshine yet, don't curse your future with darkness by being jealous, envious, and always. I'm saying something right here. She built him a place even when things weren't on the up and up. And the Bible says that he went to that place one day that she created. Don't miss this. She went to that, he went rather, Elisha went to that space she had created for him. He was laying in the bed and he says to his servant Gehazi, what does this woman want? What does this woman want? Don't miss this. She had created a space for the prophet and God was about to fill her space with a miracle. When you create a space for God in your life, God will fill that space and God will fill it with what you've always wanted. When I say that, religion goes haywire. God doesn't give you what you wanted. Read the Bible. He gives you the desires of your heart. I actually think that means you can get to a place where he becomes so priority to you that he will put seeds of desire down in you that he alone wants to fulfill. Would you please stop ignoring the voice of the dream? God been messing with me about dreams lately. I'm not talking about the things you have when you go to sleep. I'm talking about the things you have driving down the road where you start thinking so big and it sounds so crazy and then religion gets over in your other side of your ear and says, you can't do that. And why can't I do that? Ain't nobody ever done that before. There ain't enough money to do that. There ain't enough people to do that. If you feed, listen, if you feed that voice of lack, if you feed that voice that tells you it can't, you will live your life under a lid. This woman was blessed and prominent. She had money, but what she didn't have was a fruitful womb. And when she created a space for the prophet of God, she literally was creating a place for God to feel. And when God got in that space, God started talking to the prophet about this woman. And this prophet who's laying in the bed that she made for him, he says to his servant Gehazi, what does she have need of? What does she want? And Gehazi says, she's barren and her husband is old. And he said, tell her to get in here. This is the Wallace Unauthorized translation. <laughs> and he said, by this time next year, I'm in chapter four of 2 Kings. By this time next year, oh, I better quit because I feel something dangerous getting on me right now. By this time next year, you're going to have a child. Well, what about my husband? Uh, don't you know I'm the God of Abraham? <laughs> I got a reputation for using old men married to old sisters who got old wombs and everybody said they're past the point of production and they look at you, you talking about riding off into the sunset. Hell no, we're not riding, we're not riding off into the sunset. We're getting ready to ride down to the nursery and buy a baby bed because God is getting ready to bless our future. This woman said, this woman said, don't mess with me. Don't play with me like this. Don't mess with my emotions. I hadn't even told you that I wanted a child. And, and here he is. in God good? He knows the desire of your heart. I want to tell you this woman never had to ask. 
Y'all miss what I just said. She didn't even have to ask the prophet for the baby. The prophet asked, what does the woman want? When you build God a place and you make God a priority, there are things God will do when he read your mind. You didn't even tell anybody you wanted a baby. You didn't even tell anybody you wanted to start a business. You didn't even tell anybody you wanted to go back to school. You didn't even tell anybody that you wanted to buy a house and you wanted to buy your mama a car and you wanted to do crazy stuff. But when you get close enough to him and make him a priority in your life, he'll give you nothing not just what you ask for. He will give you exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. Touch your neighbor, tell the neighbor, God knows what you want. Well, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to say what I want because it might be selfish. It might be God. It might be God that you want to do something big. I'm telling you right now, some of y'all already got your eyes on turkey and dressing. I've got my eyes on somebody's miracle. I've got my mind on somebody's breakthrough. I didn't come here today to give you a, oh, let's all leave thankful, give thanks. Some of y'all are waiting on something to give him thanks for. I'm telling you, he's about to do something that's gonna blow your mind. The only thing you did was get your priority right. God is about to start blessing you with ridiculous blessings. You are going to know it was God because you hadn't even told anybody what he's about to do. He's about to do it because you put him first and made him a place. Hallelujah. She built a place and God brought her a promise. And the prophet said, by this time next year, And I thought about that too this morning and this week as I prepared for this. God will give you a promise, but he won't, he will not expedite it until you're ready for it. But I want a baby, you gotta wait nine months. I want it now, you ain't ready. It's gotta grow. The Bible said, she looked at him and said, don't mess with me. This is Wallace and Arthur. Don't mess with me. Don't play with my emotions like this. And he said, no, by this time next year. And the Bible says it just like this, verse 8. And, and in time, by next year, she had the child. When you get connected to the right places, God will help you and empower you to give birth to supernatural promises. Barrenness is broken off of you right now in Jesus' name. How? I'm going to say it again. Barrenness is broken off of you right now in Jesus' name. Somebody in this room is not playing church. You are not just trying to check off your little religious uh, status quo uh, uh, obligation every Sunday. Some of y'all have stepped out of just even wanting to be a part of just church on Sunday. Your mind is altogether shifting. It's altogether different. God has gotten all into your priorities. And when you wake up in the morning, it ain't six different things and then God. It is God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. 
and his righteousness and everything else gets added unto your life there has been a shifting of priority a sifting of priority a shaking of priority and the people that came out of this thing and still have their focus on God God sent me to tell somebody today he is about to open up dead barren wounds dreams that you gave up on hope that you gave up on ideas that you buried as simply your mind telling you crazy things God's been talking to some of y'all and you made room for him and he's about to make room for your miracle and the Bible said that she hallelujah the Bible said glory the Bible said that this woman who was barren gave birth to a blessing and the very next verse the very next verse says that child was in the field working and one translation said he had a heat stroke and he died now wait a minute this is almost embarrassing to preach about a God who will bless you and give you miracles to preach about a God who will give you a hope and a future to preach about a God who will open up barren wombs dead dreams and start putting stuff together in your life and opening doors and creating opportunities it's almost embarrassing to talk about his favor his blessing and his goodness and how he bless you and the next verse says and the child died what kind of messed up situation is this how do you preach this as a pastor to tell people believe God believe God he's gonna do it exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask a thing and then God who blesses it seems like what happened in another chapter it seems like how could this be you gave me this and now this thing died before it came to full maturity Here's what I want you to know. If the devil can't keep you from birthing things, he will keep it from coming to full maturation in your life as best he can. He, will, he does this in every single, he did it in Moses' day. He attacked the children to keep the deliverer from rising up. He did it in Jesus' day. Kill all of the babies under two years of age. Why? Because I gotta kill it before it becomes I got to kill it before it's birth. If I can't kill it and stop it before it gets birth, then I'll kill it and stop it while it becomes. See, the enemy wants to stop you from giving birth to dreams, birth to blessings, birth to promises, birth to breakthroughs. He wants to keep your womb barren and keep you from giving birth because if he keeps you from giving birth, what God put in you and you in the world for, let me say it that way, what God put you in the world to carry will never come to happen if the enemy can keep you from giving birth to it but you got to understand if you ever get in a place where you give birth to what God has called out of you then the enemy shifts his attention from trying to keep you from giving birth to help you he'll try to stop you from it becoming what it was supposed to be it's always an attack on what God is doing through you here's what I want to tell you 
In every situation God blesses, Satan will withstand it. Read Revelation 12. The woman is giving birth to the son and the dragon is in the birth room. This is in your Bible. The book of Revelation. The dragon is trying to destroy the child that the woman, and the woman is morphing. It's Eve, but then it's also Israel, but then it's also Mary. Oh, y'all missing what I'm saying. The woman in Revelation 12, it's the woman. What, is it Eve? Is it the church? Is it Israel? Is it Mary? It's all of them. She is the morphing woman that is always giving birth to the Redeemer, always giving birth to Jesus in every generation. And there is always a dragon in the garden he was a snake on his belly in the in, in revelation he's a dragon trying to kill the child how do you become a dragon when you started out a serpent somebody been feeding that joker but here's what I want to tell you even though the devil tries to withstand what God is doing the devil will try to stop you from birthing the devil will try to keep you from bringing it into the world when you finally do give birth to it then the enemy will switch his attack and try to keep it from becoming but I got a scripture to put the devil out of your mind and under your feet the apostle Paul said I am, con I am convinced and heavily persuaded that he who has begun a good work in me is able to finish what he started. Touch somebody, tell him I've already birthed it. Oh God, who am I talking to? I've already birthed it. I've already seen the curse broken over my family. I've already seen that alcohol and spirit get up under my feet. I've already seen the birthing of the blessing. Touch somebody, tell him it's already done. It's already done. Oh, you gotta learn how to praise God for what's already happened. I know some good stuff is on the way but can somebody say look what the Lord look what the Lord has already done in my life he will try to stop what's being birthed when he can't stop what's being birthed he will try to stop it from becoming and this young man is in the field and he dies and she picks up his body where did she carry him? To the same room that she built for the prophet. What you got to understand is that the room you created and made space for God is the same room God is going to use to bring back to life the stuff that died. Oh my God, I feel like I'm about to throw something in this house. God is about to bring somebody into a revelation that the room you made for God is the same room. It was a room of birthing, but God told me to tell you he's about to take the birth room and make it a breakthrough room. God is about to take somebody who the devil told you your promise was dead. Slap three people, tell them it ain't dead yet. He put him on the bed of Elisha. She put him on the, she put his dead body on the bed of Elisha. And where did she go? She went to find the prophet. 
she went to find the prophet and the Bible said that Gehazi saw him coming and Gehazi began to tell the prophet she's on the way he walks out and he says to her what do you want and she said excuse me get out of my way the staff won't do I gotta get to the man of God himself she kept on walking and when she got back to the house she said he said is it well oh Lord I feel like preaching here I feel like preaching here she said is he said is it well and she said it is well I don't have time to preach this like I want to preach this but sometimes you gotta say it is well when all hell is breaking loose in your life you gotta learn how to say it is well uh-huh I got more bill than I got money I got a bad report from the doctor my kid got hooked on another drug the marriage is going through hell and high water well how you doing I got a feeling everything is gonna be all right touch somebody tell them it is well oh god I wish I had the voice to preach like I feel like preaching oh my god I'm telling you it is well the devil wants you to believe the report of the enemy but the devil is a liar slap your neighbor tell him it's gonna be all right slap your neighbor and tell your neighbor it's gonna be all right turn my microphone up in this house I'm not going to leave here without pouring this one out. God is about to tell you that your future doesn't look a thing like the devil told you it was going to look. You don't need to have a cemetery plot. You need to have a celebration. Turn my microphone up. God is about to give you a resurrection. God is about to give you a miracle. Slap your neighbor, tell him this ain't a cemetery. This is a room of breakthrough. Whatever you stop believing for, whatever you stop believing him for, it's about to come back to life. Sit down, please. So, she said, I'm not going back without you. And she takes the prophet back to the room. He had been in that room. I don't have time to preach on Gehazi. Gehazi went back ahead of the prophet. The Bible said that when he went into the room, he laid the staff on the boy. And the boy did not revive. But when the prophet came in the room, he stretched himself out on the child. The Bible said that he began to pray and the boy sneezed. Seven times. Seven is the number of completion. Seven means it's all been dealt with. In fact, the next time somebody sneezes in your proximity, you know what you say when somebody sneezes. Touch somebody, tell them, God bless you. God bless you. Why do we say God bless you? Because the old people, the, the, the old sages thought that when you sneezed, you were getting rid of all kinds of spirits. I don't know if that's true or not. Some people, when they sneeze, they get rid of some other mess. But I want to tell you this. When God gets ready to deliver your blessing, God knows how to get all of the darkness out and get rid of all that 
that's hindering your promise and God is about to do it for somebody in this room today. If you believe I'm talking to you, shout hallelujah. I'm done. I'm done with this. Lord, I got to get to this. Watch. He stretches out and the Bible said he presented the child back to the woman. This is all in 2 Kings 4. He presented the child back to the woman. You ain't even preached 2 Kings 8 yet. I'm getting there. He restores the child. And before she takes the child, read the text in 2 Kings 4. She bowed down and gave thanks for the miracle. Some of y'all were looking for Thanksgiving sermon. There it is. Whoop, there it is. She gave thanks before she took it home. Some people are so interested in their miracle. Talk to me, non-lepers. We're so interested in our miracle that when we get the miracle, we don't even have the common graciousness and uh, goodness to turn around and say thank you to the one that gave us the miracle. I feel like I'm in the room today though with some people who are grateful for the miracle, but before you take it home, you want to do the proper thing and you want to say thank you. Thank you to the one that brought it back to life. Thank you for the one that put my family back together. Some of you are not ready for your next blessing because you haven't thanked him for the last blessing. But before God blesses you with what he's getting ready to bless you with, he's about to give somebody an opportunity to equip themselves with a brand new fresh Thanksgiving. Look at your neighbor, tell them neighbor Thanksgiving looks good on you. Ah, uh, you need to get thankful again. You need to be able to say thank you God. You know there was some stuff he done that you couldn't do for yourself. You know there was some stuff he did that couldn't nobody else do for you and you ought to turn back and say thank you. So he, she says thank you and then she picks the child up and she returns home. Now fast forward to chapter 8. She has this partnership with the prophet. The Bible said because she had this partnership with the prophet he not only told her of the blessings that were to come, he told her of the challenges that were on the way. Because true prophetic ministry doesn't just tell you, oh, it's gonna be so wonderful. Give me $5,000 and I'm gonna tell you a prophecy. No, a true prophet says, God's getting ready to fill your womb. And a true prophet says, seven years of famine are on the way. Y'all can't handle this. He said to her, get out of this place and go find a place to survive for seven years. She goes to the land of the Philistines for seven years. Philistines, giants in the land. She had to live with the giants for seven years. And all I believe those seven years were meant to do, I believe those seven years were meant to be survived. I don't want to seem depressing, but there are some seasons you just have to survive. Well, I'm coming. I have so much. Yeah, sit, just, just keep on living. Just keep on living. There are some seasons you will not be able to make sense of. If I am blessed, if God's favor is on my life, why am I having to go to the land of the Philistines? Because God loved you enough to tell you you're living in a place of famine. And you can stand there and argue with it all you want to. But wisdom tells me if the prophet told me to get to moving, I need to relocate for a season. 
and she repositions her life to survive the famine. Seven years. Think of how long that is. Seven years. What were you doing seven years ago? Some of you in your 50s were in your 40s. Some of you in your 40s were in your 30s. Some of you in your 30s were in your 20s. Seven years ago. A long, look at somebody tell me that's a long time. What do you do when you are in enemy territory for seven years? I'll tell you what you do. You keep marking down the days. Why? I'm thankful that the famine had an expiration date before it ever started. Oh, Lord, I'm going home. I got turkey on the oven. I got cranberry sauce in the fridge. But I want to tell somebody that the, that the famine had an expiration date before it ever started. Aren't you thankful that the prophet didn't look at her and say, uh, there's going to be a famine and I have no clue how long it's going to last. Oh, no. The Bible said that the prophet looked at her and said, seven years living in the land of the enemy. Seven years of lack. Seven years of not enough. Seven years and there won't be much. But seven years later no matter how bad it is at the end of those seven years it means it's coming to an end look at somebody tell them I don't know how bad it is but it's coming to an end it has an expiration date your problem your pain your disruption your disconnection your depression your heaviness your darkness the all of the stuff that went wrong it cannot stay wrong it has an expiration date how do you keep going in the land of the Philistine for seven years, I'm going to tell you how. You keep marking the days and you keep saying, I'm coming out of this. I'm, if you ever have God give you one promise, just one promise that hasn't come to pass yet, if he's ever given you one promise that hasn't come to pass yet, if he's ever told you one thing, God, I feel the Holy Spirit, if he's ever told you one thing that hasn't come to pass yet, if you're living in something that is not the fulfillment of that promise, I come to tell you heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord will abide forever. God will finish what he started, and if there is one thing yet unfulfilled in your life I don't care how negative nasty mean and bad this situation is that you're in it is not the end of your situation because God is going to bring one thing to an end so that he can bring your promise to pass I'm done with this watch seven years after all of it she comes back to the king She comes before the king, which is crazy because sisters don't even really in that day have the privilege of coming before the king. There's something about this woman that's amazing. She actually has access to the king. Touch somebody, tell them I have access to the king. She comes before the king's throne while she is walking toward his throne. The king sees Gehazi and says, come here and tell me these stories about Elisha. This is all happening at the same moment. Seven years of exile in the Philistine territory in the enemy's land. Seven years she's been out here. And on the day whoo, she chooses to go before the king, the king at the moment she's walking into the palace starts having a conversation with Gehazi about the miracles of Elisha and the 
And the servant said to the king, Gehazi says to the king, oh, you want to know about those miracles? Yeah, he restored this boy who died and brought him back to life. The moment she, the moment she walks into the room, Gehazi is testifying about the dead boy coming back to life. Why is that significant? Because the testimony, I feel like preaching here, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What was literally happening is that Gehazi was filling the atmosphere with a testimony of the power of God at the same moment that the woman walked into the room. Gehazi's mind gets blown because while he's telling the story about her she literally walks into the presence of the king Lord have mercy well that's called coincidence no that's called kairos it's when you take steps by faith and God orders you supernaturally into supernatural coincidences people who don't know the Holy Ghost think it's just a chance but people who know that they're led by the spirit of God understand that all things work together for the good to them that love God I've been through hell but I've got access to the king I've been through a dark night but I'm not staying in this mess I'm going to the king to tell him what's up and when she comes in the atmosphere has already been prepared and the king is standing there listening to the story and Gehazi says oh my lord there she is and the king says are you this woman and did this happen stand with me I'm through preaching did this happen and are you that person she said it did happen well why are you here now because I need restoration again this is what I came to tell somebody you can be favored by God and need restoration again. God's done restored my son back to life. It don't get any better than this. And now she comes back to her land. Don't miss it. Her land, her house were taken during that famine. Someone moved in her place. She went before the king to cry out for it. He didn't have to hear her and he did not have to grant her request. But he saw something on this woman. He said, if she's been restored before, I need to be a part of seeing her restored again. So give her back her home and all her land. That would be powerful if that were all there was. But the thing got crazier because he said, and everything that would have grown on that land these last seven years Give that to her as well. I know we got to go, but touch somebody, tell them, neighbor, when God puts it back, God puts it all the way back. 
God is not just going to give you what you lost. He's going to give you what would have grown while you would have had it all those years. This is why I'm trying to tell you, God doesn't just restore things. He restores years. He doesn't just restore seasons. He restores years. It took the devil years to steal her stuff, but God was keeping an account of every piece of fruit she should have had while she was in her place. And when you come back to the king and make your petition known, he sent me to tell somebody, you're not just going to get your stuff back. You're going to get the harvest back that you should have had. You're going to get the fruit back that you should have had. He's going to give you He's going to give you what you lost. He's going to give you what the enemy thought he was going to keep. God not only restored this. Listen, he restored this woman's womb. He restored this woman's child. He restored this woman's land. He restored her home. He restored the fruit of her field. It wasn't that something didn't try to take her stuff. It's that every time the enemy tried to take her stuff, God restored what the enemy tried to steal. My point for you today is this. Do not measure your favor by the absence of an enemy. Well, if I was really favored, I wouldn't have an enemy. No, the fact that you have an enemy is an indication you truly are favored. Don't measure your favor by the absence of an enemy. God will restore you every single time. I mean every time. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor Kevin, I need the grace of restoration on my life. Some things have been stolen. Some, I've been, I almost said it and I'm going to say it anyway. I've been gone for a while. Some people in this room have been checked out, disconnected. Life got you all in a tailspin, spirit of chaos and confusion. You believe in all kind of crazy stuff. It's time to get refocused. It's time to get refocused so that you can get restored. You know what a restore is? When you get restored, how many ever been to the store? Shelves all filled in the store. How many have been to a store and you went to get something and the shelves were empty? And then you go up there and you say, can you tell me, can you tell me where the cranberry sauce is? We, we ran out. But if you'll come back tomorrow, we got a truck coming in. That's what they told me. They got a truck coming in and we'll restore the store. We're going to put the store back. When God restores you, it's like God brings that big old truck up to your house and he just rolls the door up on the back and he starts unloading the pallets of blessing and putting back everything that life seemed to take away from you. I did not come to preach today you wouldn't have problems. I didn't come to tell you today the enemy wouldn't try to take your stuff. What I came to tell you today is that the enemy always has to put it back. Because the God we serve is the God of restoration. Lift your hand if you need that this morning.
Lift your hand if you need that this morning. I don't care what he's restoring. It might be your sanity. It might be your peace of mind. might be your marriage. might be your job. might be your business. might be your finances. might be your health. might be your strength. So somebody, you feel like you're getting weaker and you're getting sicker and you feel like your body's in more pain. I come to tell you that's breaking off of you today in the name of the Lord. That spirit of infirmity is breaking off of you right now. Come on, pray with me for just a moment before we leave. Father, we thank you for being the God of restoration. We thank you for being the God of restoration. I refuse to accept one, one lie that tells me that you're going to leave your children in a situation of lack and chaos and confusion and problems abounding. Oh no, God, we're going to hold on and keep our faith. We're going to keep coming before the king because we believe the king will hear us. How many believe the king will hear you right now? Throw your hands up and ask God to restore you. I don't know what, he, what you need him to restore you, but I want, I want you to open your mouth right now and begin to verbalize it. Lord Jesus, restore my marriage. Whatever it is, restore my children. Come on, open your mouth. Restore my finances. Restore my faith. Restore me in the anointing you called me to. Restore me in the work of the ministry. Restore me in what it is I gave up on. Restore my life, God. Restore my life, God. You do not leave us broken. You do not leave us bound up. You do not leave us in lack. You do not leave us hurting. You do not leave your children as victims of the enemy. You restore the brokenhearted. You make the enemy put it back and I declare there's interest on everything stolen. I declare not only will you get back what you lost, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to laugh at least twice as long as you cried. For every valley you walk through, you're going to live on a mountaintop. At least two, two. Come on, you can't even have a valley without two mountains which means you live on the mountain twice as much as you walk through a valley some of you need to get your eyes off of the of the problem and get your eyes back on the goodness of God he is the God of restoration now reach over lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder right now come on I want you to pray restoration upon them right now I want you to pray restoration on everything lost restoration on every dream they buried restoration on hopes restoration on on, on desires that they have that came from God. Religion tried to tell you it was you and you were trying to be selfish but I feel like today God is resurrecting some dreams. Greatness is in your future. God's going to give you a hope and a future. Fill it up with destiny today. Fill every heart with destiny today. Fill every heart with hope again. Fill every person who's been in the land of the Philistines for the last seven years and they feel like life is falling apart. They feel like life is empty. They will not go home empty today in the name of the Lord. Jesus, restore their lives. Restore their lives. Restore their lives. Restore their lives. Restore the preachers in this room. Restore the preachers. Restore the preachers who've been living in the land of the Philistines. And the enemy told them they'll stay there. Oh, God, restore them today. They're coming back home. I declare an increase on their life, a blessing, a fresh anointing on them now. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare right now that marriages that have been struggling, marriages that have been in the land of the Philistine, marriages that have been going through famine, I declare blessing over those marriages right now. If you need it, take it, take it, take it. Father, I declare blessing, financial blessing over the people right now. People who've been struggling financially, people who've been struggling financially, I pray for the blessing of God to come upon them. I pray for restoration to hit their house in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, for what you're doing today. Hallelujah. Lord, make this house a house of restoration. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're in this room today and you would say, Pastor Kevin, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want to give my heart to the Lord today. I've been living for me, but now I need to, I've been waiting on a moment to give him my life. I need to make a U-turn. I need I need to get some stuff right. I need to get it under the blood. I need, to, I need to come into the kingdom. I need my mind to be clean. I need my life to be washed. I need Jesus to set me free. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're in this room and you need Jesus to set you free and you want him to change your life, you want to be saved, we're getting ready to go home, but if you're in this room and you want to be saved, when I say three, lift your hand. I don't care if you've known Jesus or never known Jesus. If you are away from God and you want to come home today, no judgment, no condemnation. Love is in this room. Acceptance and forgiveness is in this room. If you want to give your heart to Christ in Athens and in Chattanooga right now, I want you to lift your hand when I say three and say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I need to give my life to Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. One, two, three. Lift your hand right now. Yep. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Lift that hand up and pull it right back down. God bless you all. I see those hands. At Athens right here in Chattanooga. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person on your left and right and ask them this one question. Here's how we're going to do this today. I just want you to ask your neighbor, do you need someone to go pray with you? And if you lifted your hand or you should have when your neighbor asked you if you need to pray, Pray. Just take them by the hand and come stand in this altar. Our prayer teams are here today. We just want to love you and lead you into the kingdom of God right now. Ask your neighbor all over this room right now. Do you need someone to go pray with you? Do you need someone to go pray with you? If you lifted your hand or you should have, come out of your seat right now. God bless you for coming, family. Come on. God bless you for coming. God bless you for coming, sir. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come all the way down here. Find a prayer team to pray with. Come on. 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 Come on, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Anybody else before we leave today? I'm giving my, God bless you, sir. Come all the way down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stretch our hands toward them and pray before we leave today. They're going to pray. I'm going to dismiss you. And don't forget tonight, a very special night where we're going to give honor and appreciation to Pastor Josh and Pastor Lisa and love on their family. That's at 6 o'clock tonight in the lobby of our church. But right now, I want you to pray for these precious brothers and sisters who come down. Would you do that? Father, today, we release grace over these lives. They need new beginnings. And you are the God of the second chance and the new beginning. I thank you, Father, today for mercy and grace. I thank you for the wind of the Spirit driving back the waters of judgment in their life. You're a good, good Father. We praise you, Lord, for everything you're gonna do in their future. We thank you that the past is now under the blood. And because of Jesus, they have a destiny, a future, and you're going to do amazing things in their life. Come on, we bless you with that right now. In Jesus' name. Let's give him thanks while they continue to pray. Come on, let's give him thanks. Thank you, Lord. I love you all so much. Listen, pray for us. 
We leave next weekend. Keep us in your prayers. Pastor Richie, Steph, the entire team, everyone who's going from all over the country and meeting us in Israel, pray for us. I love your family. Have a happy Thanksgiving and may the Lord bless you and your family this wonderful week. God bless you. Friend, I believe God is a miracle working God and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. And I believe today somebody is watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I wanna give my life to God. I wanna serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus, believing that you're the son of God and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv and I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team wanna pray for you. We wanna make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ best days of your life are still ahead of you and we're praying for you today. God bless. I look forward to seeing you next week right here.